Welcome to Pod Central by Wisely Wise, an Impact of Education and Knowledge podcast series. Here we provide impact of education and knowledge in day-to-day life. Hello to all listeners. We welcome you all back to Pod Central by Wisely Wise. We will continue with our discussion on the topic with Dr. Mano. Talewar on AI is not just one more thing. In the last podcast, she shared her experience in her school days, and I'm sure all of you found it extremely inspiring. In today's episode, she will discuss her higher education and road for continued education. So when I finished my doctorate, uh, which, you know, I told you I used my own software in studying about the instructional effects of grouping, right? When you are working with computer-based games or simulations, should you have a single dyads or triads? And I found out if you put dyads, they were competing with each other. Whereas when you had groups of three, they were actually helping and cooperating, dividing the tasks, so they were doing much better. I have tried more than three, but I did not write about it in my research. At least one person did not do anything, if you put group of four. So that's what I did for my research. Um, So when I came to Virginia, because my husband entered the Medical College of Virginia to do health information system, because there again, both of us kept learning in order to find a job, to have a successful career, you have to improve yourself, right? So I went from just econometrics to computer science, instructional technology in the Department of Social Science Education. I was not even in math education. I did all this in the social science education, which is good because at that time in 1980. 80s, early 80s, 1982 to 85, very few social studies teachers really used computers. In fact, I remember in 1984 or 85, one of the professors from Leslie College wrote an article. The title was, Who is Last in Line with Computer, a Social Studies Teacher? Her name is, uh, I think her name is Nancy Roberts. I still remember that. And it struck with me because I used that as the first sentence, first statement to challenge every teacher to integrate computers um, in their classroom, right? So at that time, there were lots of, even a faculty member in my department of social education told me, this is a fad, this will go away. I don't know why you are doing this, you know, like that. But four years down the road, when I went to his office, he had two laptops and a one desktop computer in his office. And I I just laughed at him. Didn't you tell me this in an interview? I have it in a you know cassette tape. I told him, I'm going to come and play the cassette tape to you, where you told me this will be a fad. So all along my life, you know, I have been encouraged um, to improve myself. Uh, So when I came to Virginia, 
I ended up at the mathemat I ended up in a private school. I taught everything under the sun in high school, like everything under the sun in the sense is mathematics. Um, I did algebra one, algebra three, which is kind of pre-calculus, calculus, then I did physics and chemistry. Then, because there will be seven class periods, then computer science from middle school to high school at diff on different dates. So the computer science was logo for the younger grades, and I did Pascal for the high school. At that time, I did not do C for the high school. So uh, at that time, you know, I just bumped into the Mathematics and Science Center, which is a consortium uh, that was established in the 67 or 68 in Richmond in order to provide enriched, you know, some programs that are not available in traditional classrooms. And the Math and Science Center innovated and they were actually implementing in the classroom. So I was hired as the, uh, you know, there was a gap. They, they used to teach the Math and Science Center, I believe in the early 70s. They taught programming to the students uh, using teletype terminals. So they carry the teletype terminals. It's a terminal in the mobile uh, van. So it'll be, it'll be in the van. And inside the schools in those days, there was no telephone connection or anything like that. There'll be one telephone connection coming out of the school building in a corner. So this van will go and park outside a high school. And the students came and learned Fortran programming. And they did that using the teletype terminal. They sent everything to Virginia Commonwealth University. This is in the 70s, early 70s, right? So they wow, sent it to Virginia nice Commonwealth. Yeah, Virginia Commonwealth University. And it'll take time, three days for the printouts to come. It was sent to VCU and the printout will come. From the Math Science Center, the assistant will go and pick that up and sent it by Pony. Pony is the mail system that happened between the Math and Science Center and the schools. So it was always delivered on Friday. So that's how the students knew what, what is their work, how the work, whether the work succeeded or failed, they learned that and it'll take another month for them to make the correction and, and because they have to wait for the van to come back to the school. And there are so many, there were uh, probably, there were at least 30, 40 high schools at that time belonging to the consortium. I don't know the exact number. So it's not going to happen every day. You see what I mean? So it's an interesting place. So when I went there, they didn't have this computer person anymore because they found this to be uh, cumbersome and tedious. And also all the school systems in the mid eight, maybe I should say late 80s and mid 80s, they started buying their own computers. Depending on the school system, they had upper two, upper two. Um, I don't think there was Macintoshes at that time in the schools, in, my, in our schools. 
but they had Apple IIs and IBM PC Junior. So they had these computers and therefore there was no need for the Math Science Center to send these vans. And so they didn't have a position. So in 1988, when I came by, they said, well, the computer coordinators are there in the schools, but how much can they offer integrating mathematics and science and computers? So we would like you to be the technology specialist. And my life changed around. So I started getting into, because I loved math and I loved physics. So my guess what? My first project was Lego. Uh, you know about the Lego robotics, right? Yes. But there was no, no Lego robotics at that time. But in 88, uh, between MIT and Lego Dacta, there was a product called Lego Mindstorm. And Lego Mindstorm gave, and the word will be Lego logo, Lego logo. So it is logo language, kind of integrating Lego, right? And so it is, uh, it's an interesting project because the kids had to really understand mathematics and science. And we did not talk about the word engineering design, but they were designing machines. They were designing uh, a roller coaster. They were designing a conveyor belt. Uh, the first project is um, traffic light. So that's the first project that was actually packed in the, in the kit. And so 1988, well, 89, February 1. Um, that was my first class, and I changed the format of the Math Science Center at that time because this is going to take time. The kids have to learn how to put together Lego pieces. They have to understand the programming, and they have to think about problem solving, and they have to come up with the problem on their own and create. So Math, math and Science Center said, if you want to want this project, you need to give us five days so five math class or five science class but when i go there i will stay with them for five days so the first school i entered is a school that is in a low-income community normally children see at least one crime on their way and I walked, I was getting out of my car, trying to get all these kits, you know, because I had to carry 10 kits for the 20, you know, for a 30 student classroom. And I got down and I saw this big poster, February 1, Black History Month. So I said, this is Black History Month. What am I going to do? I have to turn this around, right? This is a Lego. I don't want to show this as a Lego project. I should help these kids to celebrate Black History. It dawned on me that the first project, Traffic Light, is an interesting project for these kids because Traffic Light was invented by Garrett Morgan, who is an African-American inventor. So I went in there, I didn't say anything to these kids and I started my first project and, and the kids actually put the uh, uh, traffic light together by the 
end of the first day, you know, they have the traffic light done because they gave me extra hour. And one kid came and asked me, Dr. T, do you know who invented the traffic light? I said, no, I didn't know. I just pretended. You tell me about it. And he was very proud to say, it's Garrett Morgan. And then the next day, when I told them that they are going to learn more, so the next day, I, I think I taught them gear ratio because they were going to do merry-go-round. So I taught them gear ratio, and I, um, they finished the merry-go-round project. And then I told them, on Thursday and Friday, I'm going to give them time so they can do their own project. You know what they ended up doing? One group built, I mean, this was not a Lego project, but they decided they wanted to do a creation of everything that was done by African-American inventors. So even they found out the Washington, D.C. layout was done by an uh, African-American. So they came up that with the Lego project. They did that. Someone did the carnival uh, ice cream, something like swirling things. So different projects. And then they put together a database. And in Apple Works, it's not a big database. It's no, there was no Microsoft access at that time. The school used Apple IIe and Apple IIgs computer at that time. So it was done in AppleWorks database. So I, these students, uh, you know, in we may say low-income students, low-income schools, like normally they are, they use the word underperforming. In my opinion, if we encourage them, they inspire you. They inspire you. So the same way, the way that I got more into digital game design was just like this, my life grew, uh, you know, at the Math Science Center. And then uh, I, from the Math, in Math Science Center, I had more opportunities to work with the minority students. When I say minority students in those days, all of them are African-Americans because I worked very closely with Richmond City Schools. Uh, and therefore, I had more opportunities with the teachers and then the teachers would invite me then I get to work with the students so and then from there I came to Chesterfield schools and and there I did different type of work mostly working with the teachers um, because my job was to offer professional learning experiences when in those days we called it professional development I call it nowadays professional learning experience um, and then from there, I went to the Science Museum and I put together community technology centers because there is no point in me telling the teachers are integrating technology in the classroom, but most of the homes did not have access. So in Richmond City, there are community centers. So I, I put together a grant project to create at least uh, five community technology centers, one at the Science Museum and four in the different community centers. And uh, so when I put together those community technology center, I observed how these students are excited about learning, right? When they come there, 
they don't think of just playing. They don't think of that because I always believed, um, you know, even from 1988 when I started working at the Math Science Center, students should not be consumers. They should be creators. So even teachers, they had to create something for me, right? If they learned uh, in, well, I don't know, you look so young, you may not know this. In, in IBM, they had a multimedia product called Linkway. And in Macintosh, it was HyperCard. In Apple IIgs, it's HyperStudio. So no matter what you do, you need to create a multimedia product for me with, pic with, with pictures and videos and stuff like that. So I kind of asked the students to create something. And one of the products I used was a game from Sony PlayStation. But this, these games are for studying mathematics, studying science, studying American history. And one day, one kid said, Dr. T, you know what? I don't like this music. Because when you succeed with the test item, it'll play a music. And he said, this is not my kind of music. And it was a boy and a girl. And they asked me, what do we have to do to change this music? So I told them that in order to change the music, first of all, in this one, you can't because it's copyrighted by that company. But if you want to create something like this, you need to learn computer science. And in those days, we didn't use the word coding. So I said, you need to learn to program. You need to programming, and then you can make your own music. And he said, I might be interested in that. So I started, I invited a company from Seattle, Washington called DigiPen. So for the high school students, we ran, uh, I think it was, two weeks long or one week long game design workshop. And they learned C language and they created games, simple games, because that's what they wanted to do, right? So they can make their own, insert their own music, insert their own kind of videos and create games. So that became my first um, funded project after I left the science museum and I went to, well, actually I tried to get that funding when I was at the science museum, but when I went to Longwood University and worked with about 25 rural school divisions where the low-income students are not only African-Americans, but also white because they were once rich farmers who became poor after tobacco regulations came. And uh, so I was able to work with them and we wrote a project where students will learn how to design games. So I worked with them first for three years and then I applied for um, funding again so I can continue working with these students. Um, so I worked for same students for six years and every one of them went into a four year STEM career path. There were about three or four of them who did history, uh, drama, things like that from the first three years. But if they stayed with us for six years, all six years, then they went into a STEM path um, that includes uh, uh, nursing, um, physical therapy, you know, so, but 
career path. They chose nice path, every one of them. So my interest, you know, I got inspired by the kids, you know, who asked me originally when they played the game. And so I ended up doing a game design project. It's called Digispired. So if you do Digispired in Facebook, you'll find. But we are not updating that anymore. The project was over in 2013. And I left and I retired in 2015. Uh, but every time, uh, whenever we did these projects, I also did a number of projects. And the teachers inspire me the most. Teachers come and share their challenges. So at the, um, from the Math Science Center days and in Chesterfield and in Science Museum and again back in Longwood for 10 years, my major objective goal was to motivate the teachers to integrate innovative technologies. So my institute that I directed I didn't come up with the name, but the name of the institute was Institute for Teaching Through Technology and Innovative Practices. So always we were into STEM and we did a STEM summit during my period. I did a STEM summit from 2008, I think every year, and it's being continued annually where we bring teachers and for the last, I think, three years ago, the current director focused on artificial intelligence. Um, so, you know, and then uh, as part Thank you, ma'am, for sharing on your personal journey in higher education and the role for continued education in your life. In the next part, Dr. Talaiwar will be sharing more interesting experiences in her life. So be sure to stay tuned. To all our listeners, to hear more interesting and insightful podcasts, don't forget to follow and subscribe to our podcast channel on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts. Visit us at https colon slash slash wisely, wise.com or write us at hello at wiselywise.com. You can also call or do WhatsApp on plus 65918870947.